Come on. They're right there. Let's go. Move, 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 move. This episode of Choices Not Chances podcast is sponsored by Louisiana Gun Shop. Located on Highway 90 West in Broussard, Louisiana, just south of Lafayette. For more information, stay tuned at the end of this episode. This is Choices Not Chances podcast with Ryan and Matt. I'm your co-host, Matthew Charette. Sitting next to me is Ryan Rogers. Hey guys, thanks for coming back with us. We have uh, our first returning guest... Johnny motherfucking Glenn, and he was on briefly on 9-11 to do a commemoration talk about that and kind of just overview uh, emotions and feelings of things going around from from vets. We did our thing, and now we're kind of going to get into your career, and um, I think this for, to, for it, it's important for, for me, at least, to understand how your life was early, early life, like single-parent household, double-parent household, uh, sibling, sports, that kind of stuff. So uh, I grew up in a little small town called Bainbridge, Georgia. Uh, well, actually, it was Bainbridge, Georgia, but then we stayed in a little town called Cyrene, Georgia. And I grew up on a family farm. We lived on Glenville Road. Everybody on the road was Glens. Uh, everybody's athletic, very, you know, just outdoor people. And uh, I grew up doing a lot of fishing and hunting, so had a younger brother, younger sister. I was the oldest of the siblings. And then after that, I graduated in uh, 1995 on June 5th, and I left for the Army on June 6th. Done. And now, did you play sports in school growing up? I did. I played football, basketball, baseball. I played all sports. Pretty good athlete. And then uh, joined the military after that. You didn't run track? No, I didn't run track. I just figured because you run all the time now that that might have been your forte then. No, I think I just fell in love over the years, man, just being in the Army. I just fell in love. With, you know, I had a lot of guys on the team that were runners, and I just kind of fell in love with running at that point. But I've never. Are you a Goggins fan? No, not really, man. I've seen some of his podcasts. I I like the guy. Don't get me wrong. I, stand, I like some of his stuff he stands for, but I'm just. He seems seems to be a pretty decent guy. I like to I like go out and train. With I just him. know he he runs too. Yeah, uh, I had a buddy of mine. We was gonna set it up, you know, seal in the Green Brave. I'll go out and, you know, hopefully he watches this and I go out and smoke him one day. So. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys, Johnny, Johnny, motherfucking Glenn's calling y'all. So hey, oh, dude, damn, set it up. We'll come out. Hey, we'll go. I'll <laughs> you know, set it up. Yeah, set it up. As a matter of fact, I'm scheduled to do a 50k next month. So okay. yeah, set it okay. up. Let's go do okay. something. That's fine. Okay. I like it. <laughs> all right I'll, I'll sponsor it let's do it i like it yeah all right goggins you heard he's been called out <laughs> let's, let's run it up so johnny's our first army guest and we're going to kind of get into that now that, but not too much i mean you played all sports growing up and both both parents in the house yep mom both and dad. parents in the house yep. mom and dad uh religion we we're a southern baptist and my mom was real big southern baptist so we went to church monday tuesday wednesday thursday friday saturday and sunday and i remember one time i asked my mom how can god help us when you know, we're praying all the time. He can't help nobody else. And after she, back, <laughs> yeah, after she backhanded me, I never said anything about God again. Yeah, you, know? you let that one lie. Yeah, I let that one go. Yeah, I'm almost done. <laughs> that's Southern Baptist. Oh, yeah, that's Southern Baptist right there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> never heard a curse, but she sweared about three, four times after that. Oh, boy, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's good. Okay. And so, 95, what was, like, walk me through the, um, like, your decision-making process in joining like, me? was there a catalyst when you were younger? Is it a bloodline? Is it a... Well, I liked it in the movie Rambo the first time I saw it. Fell in love with it. Mm -hmm. And me, I grew up a big hunter, as you know. Like, deer hunting, uh, dove hunting, quail hunting, if turkey hunting. If it walked and it was in the woods and I had a gun, I'm shooting it, you know. Mm -hmm. And so, 
basically joined the military. I wanted to go to college and play sports, of course, but my family, we couldn't afford it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was thinking, hopefully, I can get a partial scholarship. If that didn't work, then I think I'm just joining the military. I had a couple older cousins that joined before me, and when they would come home, everybody just thought that was cool. I'm like, man, that's pretty cool. And so uh, I went to go take the SATs down at Florida State. I'm taking the SATs and got about halfway through it, and I was like, nah, dude, this ain't for me. <laughs> this old classroom and book thing, I'm like, nah, I'm out of here. I got up, and I won't ever get it. The lady was like, sir, sir. I was like, hey, ma'am, this ain't for me, and I walked out, left. And I, as I was going downstairs, I'm leaving there off of Capitol Boulevard, and I saw a local recruiting station. I walked in there. From the test? From the test. And my plan was actually to join the Marine Corps. Because I thought their uniforms was cool. I'm like, dude. They are. They're they the are. Best. Yeah. And they had the knife. And they, they wore the sword. And they had them uniforms. I'm like, oh, yeah, dude. That thing looks good. And I walked Johnny, in Johnny there. Glenn looked good in a set of blues, wouldn't he? Right. I, I think I would, dude. Yeah, and yeah. so I walked in the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the recruiting station. The Marine Corps guy was the first guy there. He was gone. So And the Air Force guy was the next guy. He was gone. So when I opened the door, and I'm like, man, ain't nobody in here. Mm. And the Army guy stepped out. He's like, hey, can I help you? I was like, hey, is this guy around? He's like, no, have you talked to him? I was like, no, I didn't talk to him, but I want to join something. He's like, I got you, and I want to ever get it. He pulled me back. He said, what do you want to do? I said, I want to kill people and blow shit up. That's exactly what I told him. He said, I got you. He took me in a little room, put a video in, his recruiting video, and I think I signed that day. Boom. Yeah, I preliminary signed that day, but then I had to get my parents' consent. Right. And after that, dude, I was was gone. It's funny. We just uh, a couple weeks ago, no, last week. Last week we had James Finney episode air, mm-hmm. and uh, he said the exact same thing. Yeah. Except for he made it through a semester, and he was taking a final, looked at his final, and said, I don't know any of this, and just like, got up, walked out. <laughs> and the That's teacher awesome. tried to stop him. She's like, well, well, where are you going? He's like, man, with all due respect, I don't want to waste either of our time. <laughs> I don't even understand what you have on this paper. And he went to the recruiter from there. That's awesome. Man. And so it's like, ah, oh, that's funny to hear. Yeah, I went right from the, from the uh, SAT. And so then you make it formal where your parents you sign the paperwork and yep. then you're depped in and then you ship to boot camp, I assume. She was straight, ship straight to boot camp. Yep. Georgia? Georgia. Okay. Yep. Went down to boot camp, got done with boot camp, and uh, I did the split out thing, so that's why I had to get my parents' consent. So I signed my 11th grade year. I went to base training my 11th grade year, came back, and then went to AIT in my senior year when mm-hmm. I graduated mm-hmm. and then got done with AIT and went straight to Fort Lewis which is my first duty station as an 11 brother yep. and then I went Boom. in there as a um as a scout you know got in scout platoon and then uh everything's pretty much history man what ended up happening you know it's crazy because I joined got got mm-hmm. to Fort Fort Lewis and you Where, know my commander my team leader and squad leader and all those guys like man you know my commander I want to forget it my first heart he pulled me aside went out one weekend I got in trouble with the guys you know we were out there fighting or whatever and my first round put in his office, he's like, hey, look here, Private Glenn, you got a good future ahead of you, and these guys are following you, because all these guys are E4s. I was a little PFC. He's like, these guys are following you. Why don't you lead them the right way? I'm like, rise that first round, whatever, dude. I'm just ready to get back to the club, fight, have fun. Yeah, I'm 19 right. years old, I just want to have fun. And so probably about a few months after that, I've been in the Army for a while. I'm like, all right, man, I'm really starting to like this. I saw I was more athletic than you know most of my peers. My PTS scores were a lot higher. I'm like, all right. So then uh, I may end up making a – E3, they promoted me to E3, and then um, I'm standing outside the company one day, and back then they had an old post that had a green beret on it, and all it said was, do you have what it takes? Mm. And uh, my commander walked out, his name was Jeffrey Butler, so if you're watching this, sir, get in contact with me, because I hadn't talked to him since. I remember he walked out his office, and he goes, hey, do you have what it takes? I looked at him, I go, I don't even know what the fuck it is, sir, but I got it. <laughs> That's exactly what I said to him. He's like, yeah, Glenn, I'm sure you do. You need to go talk to a recruiter. And I went and talked to a recruiter, and the recruiter told me at the time I went to SF, you had to be an E4 in the Army. Yeah. Like, you had to have that much time in the Army or whatever, mm-hmm. yada, yada. 
because it's pre-war, so they wanted a little more experienced guys. Yeah, yeah. So I went and talked to recruiting and recruiters like, hey, once you become an E4, come talk to him. I said, Roger that. So I went back, told my commander, like, hey, sir, I can't do nothing until I'm E4. And he looked at me and he says, before I leave this company, you will be an E4. I was Roger that, sir. Well, dude, it wasn't four months, man. <laughs> it wasn't four months. <laughs> he came on orders levy to go to uh, – they sent him to D.C. for something because he's probably one of the best commanders, sharp commander. And um, <clears throat> he promoted me with the waiver, dude. He was a man of his word. They came beating on my door one morning like, hey, wake up. And he's like, hey, get a uniform. I'm like, all right, cool. Put a uniform with one downstairs. I had no clue what was going on. I basically got promoted to E4 with the waiver. And he's like, hey, I cut my end of the deer. deal. You keep your end of the deal. So, dude, I went back down to the recruiter like, hey, let's do this. Hmm. And yeah. he's looking at his watch like, uh, he's He sets Johnny Glenn on a path of greatness right yeah. up. He did. Me. And Johnny Glenn had no clue what he was doing, dude. I had no clue what SF was. I had no clue what a green Bay was. <laughs> All I knew was that post said, you, you had, had what it took. Yeah. And uh, actually, which leads into the next thing is that I was a 21-day non-select, actually. What's that? So you go through selection, and if you are a 21-day non-select, that means you graduated selection, they send you to a board, and my board was, what they said on my board was, I needed more experience. Mm-hmm. Go back and get more experience. They're saying, you didn't fail, we like what we see, but, oh, dude, I, but you're I not was, there yet. Oh, yeah, I was first in every run, I was first in every run. But like, I mean, that's essentially what it is. Yeah, that's essentially what it is. Like, hey, dude, you're not where you, we so want So they to just be. roll you? Well, what you do is you go back and then you're supposed to get more experience. I went to my first election class was like in May or June, I think. Mm-hmm. And coming back, when I went through selection, you would get 30 days convalescent leave to let your body heal. Dude, I went back that next class. Cool. So two months later, I went back. And you smoked it again. Smoked again, yeah. And then you get selected. And I get selected. And the guy, the commander. Do you think it's time, a nutrition thing? Like, does he really want it? He, yeah, I think, he's young. He has well, time. Yeah. Does he really want it? I think it's one of them things where they looked at me like, look, dude, this kid's 19 years old. I think I was like 18, 19 years old, fresh out of high school. I really didn't have no military experience. But tactics and all that came natural just because I spent most of my life in the woods. In the woods, yeah. So that was easy to me. But I think that at the end of the day, like you said, is one of them things where I honestly think, you know, yeah, send this guy back. Let him get some experience. We know he's there physically fit. fit he's physically fit. But mentally, mm-hmm. can we send him to a country, you know, and hey, dude. And have him be a... A representative, a representative oh, yeah. of the United States. Like, no no joke. Like, my first, when I signed in a group in, you know, 99, dude, my first deployment was a J-set. And mm-hmm. I'm telling Ambassador how to run his security. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? At 20, 21 years old. So, mm-hmm. yeah, dude. So, I, well, I always, and they probably wanted a little more maturity, too. I always, exactly. find it, yeah. um, I always find it inspiring. Just thinking about service inspires me. But the fact of like what people don't realize is the decisions that 20 year old kids are making. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and they do it with, Oh, don't even hesitate, bro. Oh yeah. I mean, okay. Yeah. I have to go advise this, this ambassador that's Mm -hmm. 50 something years old Mm -hmm. and I'm 20 Roger. Sir, this is what you need. Yep. You know, and the, the services I'm not hating on the army because SF is a totally different, you know, like regular army is totally different the way they operate. But in the Marine Corps, we delegate, and I know you guys delegate authority down right. hard. Mm-hmm. So you want that, um, you don't want, cent- you know, a centralized command. You want right. decentralized chain of command. Exactly. And you want your pipe hitters out there that may be Lance Corporals in the Marine Corps at 20 years old. You want them to be able to make a tactical decision on your behalf when they need to without calling you. Yep. And so we're really good in the United States about pushing all of our stuff down to the lower levels. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then controlling it from the top, right. and 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 that's inspiring to know that you have those those people, those men that held a job that went out there, and they could do those things at twenty one, twenty two, yep. twenty three years old. It's inspiring. Mm-hmm. So, so you go to the would you say J set? Yeah, is what that's called. So yep. you do some advising, and that's ninety nine. Yep. Okay. To uh, Kenya. 
Went to Kenyan. Okay. We was training Kenyans, Ugandans, and Tanzanians. How was that? It was good. It was the actually side of the good. world I've never, or oh, an area of the world I've never been. I love you, dude. Africa is amazing. And mm. the soldiers are so disciplined because, you know, unlike the U.S., those countries are fighting wars where they're... All the time. Yeah, all the time. Little pocket wars all the time where there's warlords or drugs or whatever. They're fighting true wars yeah, They got, like, the some bad cleansing going on in Africa. Oh, yeah, they even, do. Even today still, they yep. have some, some bad times oh, yeah. over there. Yeah. Yep. And I remember we had a, actually had a female in our squad. It was pretty crazy. In one of the squads we were teaching... Her name was Jackie, and she had already had confirmed kills, man. And she was she a beast. She was a Ugandan? Or she, she was, she a, was a, a Kenyan. Okay. She was a Kenyan female, a squad leader. Dude, I watched her do <laughs> about 15. She had dudes 15, in her command? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I watched her do about 15, 20 pull-ups one day. She was strong. You know, didn't look like a female. She had mainly features, but she was still a female. But, dude, I'm talking, she was a beast, man. She was a beast, legit beast. Yeah. Have confirmed kills already. I'm like, oh, my God, dude, that's awesome. Now, I don't know about confirmed kills, but I ran the first class through ITB infantry training battalion of nice. females because okay. they were trying to integrate and they were thinking about having females in the infantry right, right. and we're trying to get lioness outfits out there yep. and set teams and stuff yep and man my very first class having female i mean I, and i was like i was that that marine like right. fuck this why are yep. we changing mm -hmm. you know this that and the other thing and did we change some standards maybe they did maybe it was for the better maybe not however my honor grad of that class was a female she nice. was harder than every one of them boys good deal and it's like that sh that opened my eyes up oh, a little yeah. bit. Let oh, me yeah. scope out. Like, hang on a second. Yeah. And then I start doing re research, and you got full Israeli scout sniper platoons that are all women. All women. And yeah. they were some of the most renowned sniper mm -hmm. outfits that yep. were out there, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, say what you want, but there are some women out there that are oh, hard, yeah. harder than woodpecker lips oh, yeah. on I every day. So I definitely agree. Definitely you know. agree. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, so you leave the Tanzania and Kenya uh, come deployment. Back, come back to Fort Bragg, and then uh, we just basically, like I say, pre-war, all you did was train. Yeah. You mean you're training, you're training, you're training. I'm talking every day we're training. And back then we would do what was called EDRI's, Emergency Deployment Readiness Exercise. So what they would do is you would just get a phone call. Hey, in six hours, or you need to be in the team room in an hour. Mm -hmm. You go to the team room for an hour, and then, you know, it's orchestrated from the battalion and the groups. And then um, it's supported by the battalion and the groups and all of SOCOM. But you would literally, you would get called up for an EDRI, you get a mission, you go out to Camp McCall, and you would go into isolation. And then you would... Was this to, like a timed, how fast can you be ready yeah, to yeah, pull how out? Yeah, how fast yeah, can you yeah. be ready? And then mm -hmm. time since mission, like ours was to recover like a, a computer that was, you know, it was used in like uh, weapons of mass destruction. Mm -hmm. And so we planned for like a day. And then we got uh, picked up by a helicopter, flew to a uh, 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 place. I don't know where we flew to. Then they put us in like a C-130. Flew around. It was just a map of the world. You're mm -hmm. just flying around. Disorient hours, you. Just to disorient you. And then... Um, we landed, got off of that, then we got put into like a Cessna, and then we jumped into a, a guy's pasture. Low or high? And we, we it was a low one. Uh -huh. It was, it was just, uh, I think it was at like 3,500 feet. Okay. Yeah, it was just right That's a, static. Was that static line? It was static yeah. line, yeah. Mm -hmm. So we jumped into this pasture, and dude, we were all jacked up, man. And they, because they spotted it wrong. The, whoever spotted it spotted it wrong. Mm. And we had guys on the side of a river. <laughs> dude, it took us literally. Hey, that sounds like maybe reality. But it was reality. Yeah, maybe it good, took us, good training. It, it was great training. It took us. Almost four and a half hours to link up, and we—it was almost daybreak, and we finally got everybody linked up. One guy jacked up his, his ankle real bad, so now we're moving to our objective, which was probably I think 30, 40 k. So we're moving to our objective, hoping we could have hit ground and cover half of that that night, but we didn't. So now you know everything's kind of getting pushed right. And they're mm -hmm. like, hey, the target will still be on target by this time. So now they're telling us hey, you need to hurry up. So now we're building litters to, you know, carry our. He couldn't walk. I got not ambulatory dude. Oh, he's all jacked Broke up. up. Yeah, it didn't break it. It just sprained it up real bad. bad. 
Yeah, so we, he made about halfway, and then after that, we basically just set up a fucking, like a, just a holder spot for him. Like, hey, dude, we're putting you here. Leave security with you. We're going to make mission. Yeah, we can't make it with oh, carrying. Sure. Can't make it carrying. So then we go make mission, dude. We hit the target like supposed to. Type, snipers take shots. We go in. We do a day hit. Pull the computer out. As we're pulling the computer out, there's a female on the objective, and she's American. Like, dude, you got to be kidding us. So now we got to bring this female <laughs> out with this dude, which wasn't bad because she was in great shape. She was a good role player. We're bringing her out, and then all of a sudden she twists her ankle in the mountain too. We're like, we for real, she for twist real, her she twists her ankle, oh, dude. Oh lord! Luckily, she's about 120 pounds, man, 130 pounds, right over your shoulder, dude. Take exactly. Turns. Yep. And that's what we did, man. She took turns, kept moving her back, moving her back. Yeah. So then we get back, man. Scoop up our guy. We get he load out, go back, get our debrief. Like everything was good, but now we know, like, hey, dude, this is what you're playing for. You can't plan for this. Can't plan for that. Yeah, man. And, but it was it was good training. That's great training. It was awesome, dude. Phenomenal. That's great training. Murphy's we, a dick. We, Murphy is. Yeah, we yeah. talked about um, training a little bit last night, and I wish I was better when I was younger because I didn't have I didn't have reality smack me in the face hard enough to tell me to train harder when I was exactly. when I was in the rear. I yeah. always want to come home, and yeah, I train. Don't get me wrong. Right. But when I got smacked in the face in Marja, and I come home from a real kinetic fight where, mm -hmm. dude, training to me became everything. All right. Like, there's not enough time for us to train oh, yeah. you everything you need to know. Mm -hmm. So we need to train every waking moment. And then we need to do blackout training at night. Mm -hmm. And then we need to go back and train some more because yep. you don't have time. And that was my mindset following that deployment. Boom, right. boom, boom. I just wish I had that before that because I could have made more lethal forces. Oh, yeah. If I would have, you know, it's a maturity thing. I was young, oh, yeah. you know, trying to learn the ropes kind of thing. And there's a million excuses. Bottom line was I just didn't have that smack of, hey, you need to do this all the time. Yeah. kind of things so. a lot of it too though is that you're young and you're invincible well, at least yeah. you think you are because mm -hmm. i remember when i was young dude, which is a necessary came, emotion and feeling to have when you're going down range for oh yeah sure. yeah you need to think I, that because when i first came to sf man it was older dudes that's why they want a maturity level mm -hmm. i remember dude, we go out and do like a 10 15 mile rock and i get back like all right what are we doing the rest of the day and guys are like hey man we're taking a four day that's it and i'm like dude we ain't done and all we do is walk you know 14 15 what are we gonna miles. do when we get what there what are we gonna do when we get there you know what mm. i mean exactly but when you're young, you your recovery time is faster. Oh, man. Right. You know, so you go take a nap and you're like, hey, dude, I can do that again. Where as you get older at, like we are now, I call myself a fag, a former action guy. I'm a <laughs> fag now. So if I go out and I run a marathon a day, give me two days. You know, I need two days. Body's yeah. okay, but I just need two days to mentally let, clear that out. <laughs> mentally clear that out and push all that lactic acid out. So yeah, yeah. when you're younger, I think the more you train as you're younger, you know, you don't you don't really know what you're doing, but you're training. But mm. as you get older, you, you realize learn. the why. Oh, yeah. Just like guys always say, hey, front sight, you're shooting a pistol. It's front sight, front sight, front sight. Dude, I was in my 30s before I really actually like, holy shit, dude. I'm seeing the rounds come off the injector. I'm so dialed in on my front sight. And I've always been a good shooter. But now it's like I'm controlling. Mm. I'm and, and then if you have all people of that experience level operating oh, yeah. on a team, God. It's amazing. Lethal. That's the beauty of a team like That's team. why I wanted to be... And the end of my career, I tried to go to Marsoc. We talked all, offline right. about yep. it. Uh, that's why I wanted to be there. Right. I wanted to be there because I wanted to be in a place that everybody had to sacrifice the same amount of me, as me oh, vol yeah. voluntarily. Yep. And then when they get there, that is their life. That yeah. is their. And when you have that, then you're going to be beside. And, and don't get me wrong. When we went to Marsoc, I couldn't have asked you for a better command, right. a better element, a better structured uh, battalion within the Marine Corps. It was by far the best, and it was the best. Right. right right when I needed it to be a good one. Mm -hmm. Right. So I'm not hating, but I do like and here's the other thing. How long do you got how long is the constitution of your team? It just depends. You know what I mean? Like me, luckily, and I'm is not it, bragging. Is it one deployment? 
No, no. So our the way we're set up is four to six months is what we're going to do, depending. You know what I mean? It usually depends on the mission, but usually four to six months. And it could be so adjacent. My, my question is, how many men are in your team? Twelve. How long are those 12 men together? Years. Years. Yeah. And they know each other. In oh, the left Marine right. Corps, you do a deployment, you come back, it shuffle, 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 yeah. new guys, shuffle leadership, and then you go again. Yeah. And it's like, I understand why in the, in the I, I understand Big partially Marine, why yeah. you do that. Because it's hard and people need promoted and you need to move right. them around. But it's like, if we're in the profession of war fighting and our goal is to become as absolute lethal as we can, then maybe we need to restructure that to keep company level guys and platoon level guys mm -hmm. together a little more often. Even if you shrink, like right now, the Marine Corps is in a big, I don't know how much you know about right. the big shuffle up there, yep. in, but they're in a whole op force shuffle where it's, they're changing the way that infantry Marines are going right. through pipelines. They're learning every weapon. Mm -hmm. They're learning like it's it's o three x x you're gonna learn all of them bubbling mortars yep. Carl Gustav mm -hmm. you know you're gonna learn all of it and then as they instead of just saying you 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 and you are gonna be machine gunners you you which is right. typically how we did it off of a GT right. score but you might have a hell of a machine gunner that you put in a mortar section can't bubble a sixty for shit but he could really handle a two forty yeah. and then you're you're kind of taking that away so this new initiative this new drive is to to help that and I think yeah. that'll help but. If the Marine Corps would just leave people together for a couple deployments, yeah, let's say two. Yeah, could you imagine if we did a second deployment? Oh my God, it makes together. a difference. Like, oh man, difference. I mean, because you got and that's the same way the SEALs work, the Army mm -hmm. works that way. Our SOCOM, like Marsoc, they're together for a long time in a team, right? And you wonder why they're so lethal and they're so good at their mm -hmm. job. It's like, yeah, these same dudes are living, training, breathing together for multiple years. It's not yeah. like you have to reset with a whole new squad on mm -hmm. the next deployment. And train them all the same stuff up yep. again. You know, mm -hmm. you know each other like the back of your hand. Oh, yeah. I think the downfall of that is you're so close with each other that when you take a hit, that hit's usually hard. It, seems it is. Like, because it is you're, you're involved with each other's families. You're oh, yeah. involved on a best friend brotherhood yep. level. And we have our we brotherhood. We do that Don't, within, go, don't get one. me wrong. But, yeah, you gained that with one deployment. Now let's be together for four years. Yeah, yeah. Right. And then yeah. what? And yeah. and so that I think that hits harder. But, um it's all pros and cons and all that. Sure, but it is. if if the if the if the end state is mission accomplishment and mission accomplishment means that we can be anywhere, do anything, and take anybody down, that's a lethality question. And if it's more lethal to leave people together, then maybe you restructure how you got things right. going. And then the you know the, the that's the outside the box maybe in my mind, but then the inside the box says, yeah, but it's worked for two hundred and fifteen years this way, or yeah. however long that we've been doing it. And it's like, yeah, that's a good point, right? You know, uh -huh. so but they've changed it over the years too, so that's true. Yeah. And a lot of it, I think, like, where I came from in SF, I got fortunate. I stayed on ODA my whole career. My mm -hmm. whole career I was on a team, dude, kicking mm -hmm. doors and doing All the thing. way through. All the way through. And then That's when they amazing. told me I had to go to SWIC, which is our school hall, Special mm -hmm. Warfare Training Center, when they told me I came up on orders to go to SWIC, my little brother Dave Glenn had got blown up on my team. So they messed up our Bl brother, like your blood brother? Well, he's was not on my your blood same... brother, but I call him my blood gotcha, brother. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Same so last name. They, they put yeah, you all on the same Yeah, same last name. And, um, he got blown up, and I remember I went to some. He's like, "Hey man, I came up on sweet orders, but they declined them or they turned them down." He said, "What do you mean turned down?" So my old sergeant at the time, Jeff Wright, he called DA. He was like, "Hey, I got a sergeant Glenn here. Y'all pulled his orders. What's the deal?" And the lady's like, "Well, how's he doing?" He's like, "He's doing fine. He's standing right in front of me." She's like, "Oh, how's he recovering? Oh, he's recovering good." I'm like, and I'm telling him like, "Hey, don't say nothing," because right then I already knew they messed something up. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so you didn't want them to change it. Heck no, because yeah. I don't want to go to nobody wants you to want to stay at the team. Yeah. Yeah. I want to stay at the team. So. Once they canceled, I was like, "Yes." So I stayed on the team then. And it, they did it just because they thought it was. They thought they you thought were the me. one yeah. that was injured. Oh yeah. And then uh, what ended up happening? <laughs> yeah. So what ended up happening? I come back, and then um, 
he ends up he ends up recovering very well, stay on the team, and then I think 2007 I came up on swift orders again. I'm like, no, nah, I ain't going to swift. What can I do? So I dropped a warrant packet. So as a warrant, I go as a warrant. Now I'm a warrant. I got to go back to the team. I'm like, yeah, I'm liking this. So then I go back to the team, dude. I do Did another. Did you get the warrant? Oh yeah. Oh. So I went became a warrant, and then I retired as a W three. But I went back and went back to a team for another what eight nine years. So I did Sick, 20 dude. years on the team, man. 20 years Sick. on the team. Yes. That's awesome. All on the team. They loved it, man. So I was like, yeah, this is going to work. I like this. Well, we got to gotta wind that back so we can get the full 20. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah. Maybe and so, not line by line. I but guess, get, you know. And where guys, where I think, SF for the most part, it's changing now, but where I think we doing it right, even with Marsoc, Arsoft, you know, all the spec op units, you know, guys don't want to ever take a break. Mm-hmm. This is what we do. We're, we're hitters. Mm-hmm. But I think like when you start putting guys on orders is where you mess up that whole dynamic. You know, mm-hmm. like I got buddies that went to Swick. I ain't gonna say it ruined their careers, but they they, they were pissed being there. So now they you got these guys as students. Yeah, you got them as students being there, or you know they're in front of students. They're hating their jobs. So now it's just like whatever. I'm just gonna smoke to a lot of students just because I don't want to be here. Mm-hmm. So I told my sergeant major one time. I was like, hey, sergeant major, instead of you bringing guys on orders. Why not just have guys volunteer go to Swick? Because some mm. guys would. Yeah, some, some guys, guys may know, need like, hey, dude, I need a break. Mm-hmm. That guy, if you let him volunteer to go there, nine times ten, it's going to be a lot better him being there. Because he wants be, to be there, yeah. Because him being to voluntold, yeah. So mm-hmm. they they were real good about it. What at the happens time. though when you switch to that policy and you don't have the quota that you need? Then that, you got to then you do the whole. Then you're back in the same. Then boat. you back kind of in the same boat. But I think for the most part, you would get enough guys saying. Hey, dude, I need a break. Mm-hmm. After, you know, six, seven, eight deployments, dude, hey, I need a break. Because it ain't the guys that are telling them. It's their wives and their families. Like, yeah, hey, absolutely. Help me with the kids. And, you know, if you, and then they start where I'm at. They would start offering guys like schools, like Halo School or Sniper School. Some guys aren't going to normally get on a team. You can get it, but you go on that order merit list. And it might be three years. But, hey, Sergeant Major, you send me Swick. Can I get a school out of it? And guys are like, yeah, I'll give you a school kind of out barter. of it. Kind of barter. Barter with them. And guys are going, man. I think guys are literally – Hey, dude, I need Have you put that up to Big Army? No, I haven't. Why? I don't know, because I'm going to be honest with you. When it comes to Big Army, bro, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> dude, like when we have to do Big Army stuff. I mean, I'm you're, saying, you're an influential character in that yeah, in, that, in that area, I though. I got you, yeah. And not saying we don't know a lot about the Army, but, dude, if you want to see something funny, get a bunch of Green Berets and tell them to do drill and ceremony. Hilarious, oh, yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. They're just running in each other. It's, it's stupid, dude. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like when we would have like ceremonies, dude, they'd be like, "All right, uh, bring your men to you know attention." And guys are like, "Oh my god!" Like we have no clue because that's the <laughs> you learn that stuff in basic training, but you don't learn it to the extent you're of, not doing it in the Green Berets. Heck no, dude. No, no. You should see us, man. Like all right, formation. Not saying it's bad, but you know, if you tell us to go into country X, like Afghanistan, and do this, this, and this, that's when we shine. That's you're gonna like what you see. Oh right? yeah, if you bring a gun out, you're like, "Hey, dude, I need this gun to work." Watch, watch us do our watch job. Watch what's fixing to happen. Yeah, watch what's gonna happen. But if you Dude, like basic paperwork, man. I remember, like, I went to range school without orders, man. Like, totally. Just <laughs> showed, showed up, like, hey, man. I kind of showed up back in the day. It probably ruined my career back in the day, but um, kind of showed up there. And I had to S1 kid, I won't ever forget, man. Just back then, it was all Microsoft Word. And he just basically put my name on a kid that went to range school with orders, changed the date on it. And that's how I showed Boom. up, dude. I'm there with no orders. The last guy they call him to stand there. They're like, what's your name, Ranger? I was like, Ranger Glenn, John Jay, one each. They were like, we have nowhere on this list. I'm like, hey, I don't know, dude. I got my orders right here, you know. He's like, all right, if you pass PT test, we'll figure it out. And Thompson, if you're Easy watching day. this. Yeah, Thompson, <laughs> if you're watching this, is Ranger Thompson. He's my RI. He was like, hey, where are you coming from? I was like, third group. Well, he had just went to selection. He was becoming an 18 Bravo. He goes, what MOS? I said, 18 Bravo. 
He said, I'm going to be at 18 Bravo. I said, dude, I can tell you everything you need to know. <laughs> so that was my end just, to get into just school. Just make sure I, was I stay like, here. Hey, just make sure I stay here. He's like, all right, cool, dude. So if Thompson, if you see this, man, hit me up, man. Yeah, so that's basically how I got in range school without orders. So. Awesome. And so that was following the? Yeah, I was a Green Beret now for three or four years. You know, got two or three deployments under my belt. So. Yeah, but we didn't talk about 9-11. So you come back from Kenya, right? Yep. Is that back. Does that happen before you push again? No, no, we went on another J set somewhere else. I can't remember where. Okay. Don't make me lie. We went on another J set, came back, and then um, after that J set, we were training. Then we went to Beta Nevada, mm-hmm. and Beta Nevada is where I was when September 11 kicked off. And we talked about yep. how we that happened when yep. you came in from. from I came in from, from a run. Yep. I've been people. running. Oh, I'm running. Yeah, yeah. I went running that morning. I came in. We were in a little Beta Nevada. The hotels made like house based ranch style. You know, your little rooms are right there together. Mm-hmm. And all the doors are open. So we had the whole backside, the whole ODS, 12 of us. Well, not one until it was like nine or 10 of us. We got the whole backside and everybody's doors are open. I'm like, why the hell these guys got the doors open? You know, because we got our shit in our rooms. And I walk in and everybody's in one room. They're in, the, in uh, the commander's room at the time. And everybody's just standing there. Dude, little small TV, you know, big box TV. Yeah. And we're all just, everybody's just staring at it. I'm like, hey, what's, and everybody's like, hey, shut the fuck up, dude. You know, be quiet. I'm like, what the hell are y'all watching? You know, I think it's movie night or something. Mm-hmm. They're all watching the birds going to the, yeah. to the trade centers, man. It's like, and so I, I would assume that, you know, following those calls that you guys got there, things just accelerated pretty quick oh, for yeah, you. Dude. Oh, yeah. yeah, dude. Once we, once we got our stuff, we got the phone call, the phone rang, everybody's just like staring at it. Like, hey, get shit. You're going back to Nellis. Get to Nellis, get back to Bragg. Like, hey, and everybody's like, hey, we're going to war. Commander's like, hey guys, get our shit packed up. We're going to war. So we driving to Nellis, man. They got what's the what's the what's the experience, the emotions in the room when that conversation comes down to a bunch of critical skills operators? It's it's quiet at first, dude, because you're still trying to process it. Mm-hmm. And then I think either me or Twirletier, I can't remember one of us is like, oh shit, we're going to war, you know. And then it's like, woo! Yeah. Everybody start yelling, dude. Shit's getting packed up now. No, it's like normalize the positive oh, yeah. emotion. I normalize the positive emotion, but then you know it still didn't set in. Though. You know, yeah. it's still like. It's not real, it's not real, it's not real. Once we got back to Bragg, man, we landed at Bragg. We went to Nullis, got on a plane, and then we get back to Bragg, dude. We get back to Bragg, walk back in the company, and I remember going to the company, and there's just boxes everywhere, man. And you, like, what, what's your rank at this point? I'm an E6 at this point. Okay, okay. E6, yeah. And there's boxes everywhere. Or was I E7? No, I was at E6 at this point. Boxes everywhere, dude. We're peeping in boxes. It's like brand new. Like Mark all 19s. new gear and shit. Oh, it's all new gear, all new guns. We're like, hell yeah. Like, where we're has really this been? <laughs> exactly. Where has this been? Now it's starting to set in, dude. Like, oh yeah, this might be real. They're know? not fucking around. Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, they're just joking with it. It's like, nah, dude, this shit's real. Yeah, yeah. And I remember after that, man, the next week was just all briefings. Like, hey, this is what we're doing. People are trying to get this shit in order, dude. And it's like, holy shit, dude. Like, yeah. oh, we're doing this, you know? Yeah. So, and then the rest, man, we fly into Kuwait, stays out of Kuwait. And then fucking. Well, you start doing them. strikes out of Kuwait? Yeah, we was pushing. Well, we staged in Kuwait. And then that's when Anaconda kicked off. Yeah. Oh, okay. And, uh, um, you know, Anaconda kicked off, dude. And then it just and you kinda, were truck mounted, I assume, in Kuwait? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 So in SF, you got the different teams. You got um, scuba teams, Halo teams. And at the time, I was on a ruck team, which was just a, a ruck team. We infilled through GMVs, got out. You walked everywhere you carried it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we were both in Hilo Company. I was in Hilo Company every company I was ever in. Okay. Unfortunately, because that meant I had to do like the dunk tank and all the Haze Fest games with the water, which is necessary. I get it. But, um, yeah, dude, I I understand the ruck ruck side of it. I mean, Mm -hmm. mean, you guys did probably way bigger movements than us, but when we went into Marja, we dropped in birds and I didn't see a vehicle again. Yep. Of what? 
several months. A couple months. And, and then, then like, it was like, even they arrived to a new place. Like, hey, there they go. <laughs> I remember the first time we went, when we went from Hanson out to uh, Five Points, we got in trucks and I felt like we were going warp speed. And nice. didn't, you know, we've did been on the Cadillacs like for a couple of months, you know, banging. <laughs> and then, then you get in trucks and it's like, you're like, oh my God, we're going 40 miles an hour, dude. This is insane. I feel like you're in Mach 12. It like, feels uh-huh. so dangerous. I don't see what they're running over, you know, because you're used to watching every step for mm-hmm. the IEDs and, yep. and, and just a different shit. And then you get, why this. are y'all going so fast? Like, we're doing 25. Like, like just, stu- just calm down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. It's like the same feeling you get when you get home and you get to drive your POV you just for drive the first your truck. time. That's you're what like, you do. I just want to drive my truck. You're now. like, oh, yes. I yep. remember this. I remember yep. you. That's yeah, it. Yeah, man. So Kuwait, you're doing now. You're moving into Iraq. Yep. Okay. Yep. And, and we're just moving into Iraq, stays in Iraq, doing stuff there. You know, little little pockets here and there, doing some SR missions here and there, and then um, trained up. And it's like, all right, dude, we're going to Afghanistan. And, and then, then a couple you, other teams went in before we went in. And, and you stayed going back to Afghanistan after that, right? Oh my God! You yeah. said you had ten nine there. more times after that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Oof, yeah. And every right. one of them was, I can say, it was better than the last one. But every one of them was better because. It's like we said earlier, you get experience, you learn. Shit, you would. Hey, this yeah. is what, you know, this is the enemy mm-hmm. taxes. This is what they're doing. This is how they're doing it. Yeah, we talked with James Finney the last, on one of the last episodes about that same thing about, and about how you can make yourself better oh, yeah. through learned experience. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you can go get that experience, but for the SF kid that's sitting in the pipeline somewhere, yep. guess what? There's a bunch of books right now that talk about all those things that you're getting ready to experience. Mm-hmm. And if you read that book, and you get that in your head, then when you face it in real life, you're infinitely better at it the first time yeah. that you do it because you already got learned experiences out of the books mm-hmm. or out of the training or out of the senior guys yep. or whatever. I'm big on the reading because we don't do that a lot anymore, and there's yeah. so much knowledge from the beginning of war right. at, mm-hmm. written till now that, you, that there's just so much out there to soak up to make you a better war fighter right. in that situation. The problem is trying to get people to do it, yeah. especially well, alpha male pipe hitters oh yeah. that are out training all day and all they want to do when they get off is, you know, party or oh yeah, CL, or that's it, so. CLP, that's it. I used mm-hmm. to tell my young guys, man. Um, I used to tell them I call it a war game. It's just a war game, dude. Mm-hmm. War game and what if? Like, like TDGs and stuff. Yeah, it's yeah. war game. Like, yeah. hey, dude, if we're driving right here. If I get shot from right there, what am I gonna do? Mm-hmm. If I get hit from right here, what am I gonna do? If I get blown up right there, what am I gonna do? Mm-hmm. And I tell guys, all that's doing is formulating a plan in your brain. Already starting so, the process, so you don't have to think about. You yep. know what I mean, like, hey, when I'm already three, you know, thirty yards ahead of you, it's because I have a war game. What I'm going to do now, you're playing catch up because you did. Yeah, uh, let's go to baseball for that. You oh, played yeah. baseball as a shortstop mm-hmm. and a pitcher, and every single time, you know, I'm playing shortstop or third base, and that pitcher's in his windup. Mm-hmm. I'm telling myself, you're rolling two, you're going yeah. to one, oh, yeah. yep. mm-hmm. you're cutting off if it's to yep. right field, and then boom, one of those things happens, and I'm like you said, body's my already body's there. already going because yep. it's already had that mm-hmm. conversation. Yep. I also do it with con- like important conversations I'm going to have with business people, look, yep. whoever I'm going to talk to, sponsors, and it's like I want to have that conversation in my head and then I it's not one conversation it's one for me but then I want to play out everything that I think possibly could be said mm-hmm. by the other person right. and then play that conversation yep. out okay if he says this I'm going to go here if he that's says this and yeah that's just yep. war game and war game in a different light yep. yeah absolutely so super important there yep um so I want to talk about some of your uh more intense <laughs> That was you. Okay, so a while ago, I don't know, a couple of years ago, I'm scrolling through Funk Funker combat videos. Oh, yeah, you texted me like, you you like three in the morning. I'm like, what the fuck is he 
doing up at three in the morning? Yeah, <laughs> man, I was up late by myself, like just getting my getting my ura on in the couch over there. And I'm like, I'm watching in this, like, okay, this guy's like, I don't know if he had a like a M60. It didn't look like a 240, but it could have been. I think I had a saw. It was something. It was yeah. Mark. I can't remember. One, I had them, one of them SF saws yeah. that don't look normal to yeah, me. I had a shorty down, dude. It was, it was nice. It was nice. So this, but this white kid had. You're not white, Rusty. This, yeah, okay, Rusty. Yep. Rusty, and he's freaking the fuck out. He's on blazing. Ridge. Oh yeah. And I, hey, Rusty, no shame. I'm not saying there's no shame. I didn't freak out like that ever. But you had different situations, yeah. different dynamics. Right. But I'm watching, and this guy is like got the pig to the shoulder. He's like, they're right there. Yeah. Ka, 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 ka. But that's rusty, though. That's rusty. Dude. And then you come, you come sliding in like, <laughs> like, like you are, like John and motherfucking Glenn. You just come like morphing into the scene, like doing a baseball slide. And you're like, yo, dog, what are you doing? <laughs> He's like, they're right there. Ka, 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 ka. <laughs> and like, unbeknownst to him, and probably known to you, you had airstrike coming in. Yeah. So yep. you're trying to tell this dude, like, I got, like, we're going to be okay, yeah. cuz. Danger close. He's like, no, we're not going to be okay. I can see their eyeballs. Yeah. And he's shooting. And then you're like, all right, dog, do what you got to do. <laughs> and you, like, leave him. And then the airstrike comes in. <laughs> and then, like, the you know, the light bulb goes on in his head, like, okay, maybe I could have just uh, sat down for a minute. <laughs> so, Rusty, me and Rusty, man. Rusty, my right-hand man. I hope he watches it, too. Me and Rusty always got him ticks together, man. Always yeah, yeah, in yeah. five together. So, I used to always tell Rusty. Rusty would always say, what it is, Johnny, they think I'm your bodyguard. I'm like, nah, dude, you're white, so they think I'm your bodyguard. <laughs> so they'd always try, we'd always be up front, always up front. And uh, yeah, yeah. that day, I just left for us to action, walking back towards the back, because I love being on my feet. Mm -hmm. I mean, dude, I've been bowling a few times, so I don't like being in the vehicle because I like to be away from them. Well, somebody came over to the radio, and if you watch that, you'll see, you hear me say, somebody said, Rusty's hit is what they were oh. saying. So you was going over but, to check on him? Yeah, I was. Fucking getting up there, Rusty's hit, dude. I, I gotta go fucking fix him, you know. But he wasn't hit, and what the kid was saying, <laughs> he was saying something about the truck had got hit. Uh -huh. But the truck had took rounds on it, and it, either radio, something got hit on the truck. But over the radio, with all the chaos you going thought. on, it sounded like Rusty's hit. You're like, oh, that's my. Dude. And I'm like, shit, I gotta get up there, Rusty's hit. And when I get up there, and you hear me on. I'm going off. I'm telling Rusty, I'm like, somebody on the fucking radio said Rusty's hit. We need to get off the radio. All this chatty catty shit. <laughs> If you don't need to, and that's exactly what I say on there. If you don't need to be talking on the radio, don't fucking talk. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, dude, all these chatty catties on the radio, yep. I'm going off. And then I'm trying to open, he needed more ammo. And literally, dude, we killed 20, 30 bad guys that day. They were literally where Rusty was. It was a death lane. Mm -hmm. And he was trying to he was trying to hit him. You could see him, but you couldn't get around. You like and you could tell that in the video because he's like he was angry that he couldn't hit him. He was pissed he's off. He's like, dude, right there. fucking there. Oh, dude, he was pissed. And and so maybe it wasn't freak out. Maybe oh, it was no, just freak out. He was mad. That's what's like I see them and I can't. Oh no, hit he them. wasn't freaking out, dude. Me and yeah. him, me and Rusty probably been in shit, fifty so, to hundred firefights. And so the every the firefight he was like that, Freaking out. Me. I'm not saying freaking out like, oh, he was spazzing. I'm just no, no. saying he was like he couldn't shoot. He him. was noticeably pissed off that he couldn't kill him. Oh, dude, they're right there. They're he's right, right there. Fucking and I can't fucking oh, dude, he couldn't him. get him. Oh, he was pissed. You should have saw him. Dude. He was like, and he was like trying to punch the gun. Like you watch him shoot. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. punching. Like, how do I bend this bullet? Over he's that trying to bend right it. There. Oh yeah. He's like, brother, dude, right there. And I was like, all right, dude. And I'm trying to get the damn rounds out of the sixty, or I'm sorry, out of the two four nine. We had a, the canister. Yep, the drum. And for whatever reason, dude, our infantry kids had put a zip tie on it. So if you watch me, dude, I'm struggling with this fucking thing, trying to get it. I'm like, what the fuck, dude? <laughs> so then I finally, people say you can't break dip, zip ties. That's a lie, dude. Oh, I'm turning it, and it finally pops. I'm like, thank God, dude. So I handed it to Rusty. He's like, dude. He's like, yeah, I'm almost black. And then um, you hear the the uh, war dog coming. <laughs> and after the shot, Rusty's like, hell yeah, right there. Because the first round, where we were, you see it, dude. Like, oh, yeah, those bodies. Oh, yeah. 
And then, dude, Rusty, you hear him say, hell yeah, right there, Chris. Chris was like, J-Tag, bring him back right there, dude. Bring him back around for a re-attack right yeah. there. Then they come back in again. <laughs> yeah. And mows him down because cause where they were, dude, after we, you know, cleared and then we did our back clear afterwards. Dude, they had a perfect spot, man. So where we were, it was like, almost like a V angle where they could see us. But dude, you can't, you couldn't get over it, man. Mm-hmm. That's why he's like, they're right, fuck. Like he's like, I want to put Ryan. I just right. can't, fucking I just kill can't him. hit him, Johnny. Yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, yeah. That man. was a good firefight, dude. And that was um, every time we would go through that area through the pass there, we'd always get hit. It was a good spot because we would sit like on the lower ground and then right on the high ground. But then once you DD him out of the truck, now you're on the high ground, but it's a deflate, so you couldn't. It's almost like a little cliff. Mm-hmm. You couldn't see them. But they had just enough angle where they, they could, could see. silhouette you. They on could the silhouette back, you yep. on the top. Yeah, dude, it was terrible. It was perfect for them, man. You know. Did they did they take anybody? Who from, did? Did they hit any of you guys? No, nah, they hit any of us, man. Good. Our trucks. They hit our trucks up because the trucks hit higher than the humans. Yep. But they shot up some of our trucks, but no, we didn't take any of us that day. Then our infantry kid, man, shout out those guys, ten mountain guys. They they back to our little mortar teams. They were dropping mortars, man. Just but where they were, dude, you was just right over the top. But you just almost had to shoot the mortar vertical, straight up in the air, just to get it there. Man. Push it yeah. a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, old Brett was back there on the mortar. Brett, our uh, he was our uh, 18 Echo at the time. He was back there on the mortar with the infantry kids. And shout they were out Brett. It, dude. Yeah, shout out Brett was doing it, man. Brett was doing his thing that day. And the infantry kids, they were getting it too. So. That's what's up. That's yeah. good times. Good we ended up killing quite a few guys that day, man. And I think we came back two days later and killed more guys. That was a place where. If we if wanted, you wanted to, just, to bang, yeah. yeah. If you wanted to bang, there's like the helmet. If you wanted to bang, go to Robot Pass, man. And yeah. Within a matter of minutes, dude, you're freaking. Oh, we had it. we had lines, northings, yeah. oh, yeah. yep. northings and southern yep. lines that oh, we yeah. knew. knew. All you had to do was go one foot mm-hmm. across that northing, and you're. Wait a second. Give it a minute. Say say three letters. R- yep. T- RTB. RTB. And that's it. Yep. That's it. Yeah. They like they became cowards in Afghanistan uh, in Marja for us, in short order. But yeah. they had never. You know, like we were first boots on deck in a helicopter in that area, really. I mean, they had some shaping, some ATF, some CIA that went in and shaped and right, got right. positions yep. for us and stuff like that. But no real Americans had been there to right. show them mm-hmm. why they should not fuck with us. Exactly. And then we got there and it took 35 days probably of us really fucking them yep. up mm-hmm. before they were like, okay, uh, we're going to regroup <laughs> and maybe uh, bring this. in some foreign fighters and some <laughs> combat replacements yeah. and... And then from there it became yeah, our, hey, all right, boys, it's RTB. And as soon as we would turn our backs, they're hitting us. Yeah. And then they're hitting us and fleeing on mopeds and stuff, playing shadow yep. games back mm-hmm. and forth. So it became. And I'll tell you one thing: the Taliban did, at least in margin. I don't know if you dealt with this in other places, but they were very good uh, at playing the psychological warfare oh, game. Yeah. Because I would, I would, or him or one of my guys, we, we put people down, boom, 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 and you're watching them. And you might zip him two, three more times because he's crawling towards his weapon still. Bop, bop, bop. And you know he's dead. Mm-hmm. He's laying there, spread out. You've hit him six, eight times. He's, you, you're watching him. He's not breathing. You go to do a battle damage assessment. You don't find blood. Nothing. You don't find weapons, casings. You nothing. don't find weapons. You don't nope. find a body. They're good at that. And, man, like, I don't even know if they were doing it intentionally. Mm-hmm. My guess is I always say they're doing it intentionally so that I, I'm not letting them get ahead of me, right? Mm-hmm. I want to I want to bet that they're doing that intentionally. But it could have just been their – It's just religious. They're going to clean, wanna, they're gonna clean their stuff. Yeah. But for the Marine yeah. that comes up to confirm and get the weapon off the body and, and there's nothing nothing's there that. except for wet yeah. sand, and you just start going, what the yeah. – what, you know? And it was so, you know, whatever. Shout out to that tactic. If it yeah. was for real, if it was just your religion, then it was, yeah. it was convenient. Faith. They're yeah. supposed to bury within 24 hours. Yeah, bury within 24 hours. hours. They're supposed to clean them up. 
wrap them in oil. I know, but that so. doesn't mean you pick up shell casings from a firing position yeah. and wash but, blood but, off of sand. Yeah, that, but you that got, part. But but that part, though, if you think about it, like I grew up on a farm, they mm-hmm. become very resourceful. Mm-hmm. You think about it, that shell casing. They use everything. That's I can put be that shell IED. casing inside an IED. Now I got foreign objects flying around hitting you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so I they got to get rid of all that stuff, man. That's they a, pick that's up a great everything. Point. That's a great yeah, they point. got to pick it all up, dude. Yeah, it all. That's goes, like what it I was, all goes in the wheelbarrow, and, it all, and the guy runs off with it. Like, what is he doing? It's like the clown car. Right. Like, what is he going? Well, yeah. they started in Marja with white vans, and that was like their way of saying that this is uh, like our ambulance, mm-hmm. right? They didn't paint crosses on them enough, and, nope. and in the beginning, we kind of gave them that, like I would say, and it didn't last yeah. long because then they would be reinforcing oh, red yeah. lines That's while smart. they're picking, oh, yeah. and so then you drop an incendiary on all mm-hmm. those, and yep. they turn to wheelbarrows. Yep, I'll tell you a story about brass later on. Yeah, off, they learn offline. On. offline. You too. I've never told you that either. <laughs> yeah, they learn tactics and you know shit like that. The, the other fast. thing that that I think uh, I always try to reinforce, especially for the young warriors that are out there and the hitters that are still getting after it, is like don't don't assume. You've heard this before, but don't assume because they don't have running water that they can't figure out tactics plans. They're watching you 24 hours a oh, day. Yeah. 24 They're hours counting day. how many guys are coming out on patrol. They're counting how many guys are going in. And like in Marja, we were able to use that against them. Mm-hmm. Once we realized, you know, we had some ICOM chatter guys telling yep. us what they're saying and, hey, they're counting you all out. And so we would start to use yeah, that against good. them and say, cool, we're going to go out just before dusk. Mm-hmm. Let them count 28 bodies out. And then after an hour and it's pitch black out, I'm sending half of them back and I'm going to remain. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then the rats would come out of the yep. woodwork, man. Oh, yeah. Because they're being told that, you know, hey, that squad just got back. You're, back. Good, you're good. Mm-hmm. Go pick up whatever. Go set mm-hmm. whatever. And then all of a sudden the field starts scurrying and it's like. Mm-hmm. We do a few stay behind missions like that too, man. We dress in man jams or whatever. And oh, just, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, we never well, did they, that. We never you had could the real do that. fun. Yeah, you got yeah, to do more than uh, more of the blending in than we did. I don't yeah. think I would have blended in there very good. Yeah, no, actually, dude, you would have because I've seen yeah, a lot of red, red beard, everything. a lot of them. It's those Russian SF oh, yeah, that's babies it. from the 20 years SF, ago. Yep, that's it. Mm-hmm. I'd have had yeah. no problem blending yeah. in with a tan. No, oh, you, you'd, you'd have been good. good. You have like the beard for it right. and everything. Yeah. yeah. Oh, ratty ass beard. <laughs> yep, <laughs> yeah. pretty much. I'm no, just kidding. I'll tell you something else they do now that you say psychologically. They would do that a lot too on the radio because they knew our interpreters would have the little walkabouts. And they'd Give be like, false hey, information. oh, yeah, go left, go right. Hey, they're moving right there. Stop right there. And of course, you'd be like, hey, dude, where the hell are they at? You know, because you want to have an upper hand on them. Mm-hmm. But they would do that. Yeah, hey, we, bring 20 fighters over on this side. You, know, yep. like, you learn real quick, dude. You're not mustering that many people together, no. but okay, whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, you learn it quick. Oh, yeah. But that first time. Oh, that like, first time, you're not. You're like, oh, shit. The big shit. one. We they're were, coming. They're coming. We were in a fuck. Oh, yeah. So the big one. We'll talk about That's that in the book. Uh, and the, the big one three. was a was a mule. So yeah. we're doing a front, an action right. Uh, we're the, my squad was the base of fire. And we're fixing a machine gun bunker. And when I say machine gun Two bunker, machine I didn't think bunkers. I'd ever fight anything like this. Right. I thought this was of the old days. Oh, yeah. But there's a machine gun bunker right here, T-wall barriers, concrete barriers on it, six mm-hmm. six firing ports, and about 150 meters over mutually supporting. I've seen a couple of those. The same thing. And this Interlocking is, this is right there fire, by like... Camp Hansen in, uh, mm-hmm. in the center of Marja. Yep. And we fought that thing. And we fixed that in the morning. And, and man, we were getting after it. And then we did an action right on it. Well... What was the what was the point of that? Oh, the Icom mule, the mule. So mm-hmm. in the middle of the chaos, I mean, we're getting after Icom it. Chatter I fired, comes it, over. took a law off his back and fired it into it, and it like, boom, direct hit out of all the ports, and it's like, well, fuck, like okay, you open the horns, and I'm like, you're like, sir, do we got anything bigger? Like, what? Did, like, what do we do now? You know? And so in the midst of all that, I'm running 
two 240s, three saws, law rockets. We got, uh, we got, uh, what were the birds? Cobra Cobra. Cobra Cobra. Cobra Cobra section comes in and they're supporting us. And in the midst of all that, ICOM chatter Marines get an interception that say, uh, hit them with the big one. Well, they start passing that down the line. So everybody's like, hey, they're going to hit us with the big one. Eyes peeled, eyes peeled. Bop, 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 bop. Right? You pass yeah. it down the line. And it won't like maybe 10 minutes, mm-hmm. 10 Long. minutes or so after that finally got disseminated <clears throat> through at least my little element and now element two and three are about to go up and do an action right mm-hmm. and here comes this mule and it comes out of the bazaar where the people that we're fighting are at and it's got this thing on its back that's like three foot wide probably three foot tall on his back and it's staying on his and back it's like covered. It's, it's tied there and it's covered with a tarp and i to this day nobody has fessed up to who it was but somebody in my element yelled it's the big one. And the entire platoon reinforced shifts off of known oh, yeah. machine gun bunkers onto a mule. That's it. And this mule ate it, man. It's I a mean, big one. But still like <laughs> just trying to take he was steps. Like, it was like something out of a fucking movie, Johnny. He was like, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, Bleh. and he's like still coming at us, right? And we're like, holy fucking shit. It's not going to fucking die. It's an animal, animal bid, not a V-bid. It's an animal bid. Yeah, it's a donkey bid. <laughs> D-bid. And so, D-bid, I like it. Yeah, D-bid. And so the big one goes down and we're like, fuck, I hope that doesn't explode. Back to the machine gun bumpers. Yep. Blah, blah, blah. But what I always say is funny to people is like, when you really think that your life is 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 in peril and you got something mm-hmm. serious, it's crazy what your mind will believe. Oh, yeah. It was three foot of dried up poppy stems. This mule was scared and running. Yeah. But because we heard release the, big, the one, big one, oh yeah, everybody instantly and all at one time when the when the when the call went out that that was the big one, there was no orders no, oh, needed. Yeah. Everybody, you didn't said, need them. Don't yeah. care what that is. It mm-hmm. needs to die before it reaches. Oh yeah, you know, an effective. I would have thought it was a bomb. And like 100%. I told him, I mean, what are, what else are you gonna think? Oh yeah, like I told him, around the corner comes a white van. We're not even talking about it right now. No, but because it was a mule, it's the big one. It was the big one. Yep, oh, we'd yeah. ice the guy innocent or Dunned. not because oh. of hostile act and hostile intent of what oh, yeah. we, our perception, and it would have been it. done. And it wouldn't mm-hmm. have been a story. But here comes this giant mule just <laughs> that is getting phenomenal. after it, man. I love it. Crazy what your mind will believe. That's so, good. all right, so Johnny, like, I'm not going to go over your entire chest because it's distinguished, right? So, uh, but I do want to talk about valor talked about valor with uh, finney i'm going to talk about about valor on the next episode with john wayne wayne williams i think you might know him too mm-hmm. and um so you have some valor devices and i just want to kind of you know customarily people grow up not wanting to ask those questions right. and i think that we can bridge the military civilian divide a little bit by just putting those answers out there so valor is uh Valor's award, a combat V or a Valor device, is an award that can be attached to an award, right? So you get to be a Bronze Star. You can get a Bronze Star for non-Valorous or non-combat action Correct. because you, you know, safeguarding a unit. You know, maybe it's logistics, maybe it's planning, these things. But when you see somebody that has Valor on their chest, and we talked about this with Finney, and that's why I feel comfortable enough with our relationship that I can ask these questions to oh, you, yeah. and we can put this out there to people. But these aren't questions that the reason that they tell you not to ask these questions is because uh, generally when you see stars in uh, stars and v's on somebody's chest regardless of the color that may be the worst day of their life that they live through yes for a lot of people it can be some of the best days of their lives and it can be both it can be the best worst day of their life mm-hmm. um so it's probably good if you don't have a personal relationship or a fighting relationship or camaraderie with the person probably to not bring that up that's a personal thing but on this show i want to bring it up 
that way. Anybody that wants those questions answered, they can come do it here. They, they can go to Jocko. They can go to Andy Stump. They can come here. They can come to any of these podcasts that are putting this out and just kind of bridge that and realize what people are doing for them that they don't know about. Because most people see the romanticized version of war through Hollywood. Correct. And then you have something like the withdrawal from Afghanistan and it shuts people down and they're like, this is real. It's because they don't know it's real. Mm-hmm. Like, and part of that is beautiful to me because it's like, we live in a nation that is so good and so free that our people don't even know what their military does on behalf of them or really what countries they're in or what actions they're taking. Right. And a lot of times this is, you know, 20 to 30 year old, you know, men, boys in the beginning and men at the end. And, uh, in my opinion, I think it's good that the ones that want to know have an outlet that they can go and find out what exactly is going on. So I just kind of want to hear, um, we don't have to go into all of them, but I just want to kind of hear some of your fonder, uh, moments under fire. Hmm, I'll say some of my fonder moments under fire was definitely when we didn't take casualties. Cause you know, you don't want to, mm-hmm. you don't want to get your buddies killed or hurt or, or injured or anything in combat. And then just to go back, rewind what you were saying just now, I think the stigmatism that's put on Valor Wars is just like the stigma stigmatism put on PTSD. Mm. You know, I hear people say, oh, my God, they got PTSD. It makes them crazy. Something's wrong with them. No, it's not. It's just mm. they just got to deal with it. You got to figure out what it is. It's natural. You did unnatural things, you maybe did. against your moral and ethical code that you were raised with, and then you're going to have remnants of that throughout your life probably. Exactly. And that is normal. Exactly. That is the normal. Mm. And that's just like, you know, you take a bunch of operators like just us sitting here. Most people, the things we would say to each other and do, they would say we're abnormal or we're crazy. No, we're not. We're, that's our normal. They don't want to golf with us. Yeah, they don't want to golf with us. Yeah, exactly. That's our normal. But I say one of my fondest memories of a firefight, we got in a firefight one time uh, with the team, put off into this village that we hadn't been to before. And uh, I'll use first names that way. I don't put guys out there. But um, Steve wanted to go to this village, check it out. We were all like, yeah, let's go check it out. So we went to this village and um, – I remember I got out of the truck and I handed this kid a piece of candy, you know, because I always had Jolly Ranchers mm. or something. Gave this kid a piece of candy, the kid kind of ran off. And, you know, if you've ever been in Afghanistan, any type of combat situation, you know, if you roll in a village and nobody's there mm. or not a lot of people's around. Atmospherics. You know, yeah, something's going sure. on. Mm-hmm. But what was different about the situation that day we rolled in there, which didn't, I think, threw us for a loop, was that there were people walking around. There was kids. There was village elders. There was women. You know, of course, when they pull up, they kind of start scurrying off. But as soon as we pulled up, I remember giving the kid a candy. Kid kind of walks off, and then as soon as we was going back to our trucks, that place just opened up. I'm talking mm. open up. There were bad guys everywhere, and they were popping out from behind buildings. I think the first guy, or the first guy that I encountered, was probably about eight <clears throat> to ten yards, maybe. Raised up an AK, and which this is one of those times where. Now are these spider web roads just kind of like yep. you have, and so you're going to come around a corner and there's walls everywhere, so it's not yep. like you can see, so it's blind. Yeah, it's and blind. And so you come around this corner and then boom, they're on yep. 30 feet away. Yep. So they call those places the bazaars. Mm-hmm. You guys yep. been there, you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. So you got bazaars, you got little alleyways, you got little little cubbies that you can jump into. Well, the first guy encountered was right off the main road. I'm walking up, well, walking back towards my truck, and there the guy just pops up out of a cubby with a with an AK. Stitched this guy up, and then after we stitched that guy up, it just kind of opened up. It literally, guys were everywhere. And what we didn't Was this a coordinated, uh, like a decisive ambush engagement on you? I would definitely say it was a decisive ambush, definitely. And if we talked about it as a team, if that guy would have waited another 10, 15 seconds, 
we probably would have took a ton of cash. Would have been a way it would have been oh yeah, it would have been a trust. Yeah, it would have been ugly. So so you stitch this guy up and and then stitch guys this guy are just coming out of the woodwork. And then all that guys just start coming out of the woodwork. I guess that guy was, <clears throat> if I had to guess, he was their trigger. Mm-hmm. Like once he fires, we all fire. Yeah. And we had guys running out of little shops with guns, and it was just it was chaos. Because now you got the people that were locals, they couldn't have been in on it because they were running either right by us or around us. And the guys were switched on pretty good. And that that piece of firefight lasted probably about 10, 15, about 10 minutes maybe. And then we're fighting our way through. And now these guys take off. And right behind the bazaar, or, you know, most of the time, it falls off into a galley or we call them creek beds, fell mm-hmm. off into a creek bed. And me, Steve, and TJ, another guy on the team, we started chasing these other guys that was in the fire break. I'm leading point. I got on a black shirt. Um, I always wore black black shirt, black t-shirt, short sleeve. I had on regular BDU pants. And I'm on TV uh, sandals because my feet had started cracking. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't going to go on a mission. I was like, no, I'll go. You know, we're going to, because we went to Kandahar just to plush ourselves up and get liquors and chewies. And I remember we was chasing out these guys, and then it was probably about 15 or 20 of them. So they had to have a rendezvous because they was falling back to it. And lo and behold, if my guys, they know exactly where we were, but we were close to Pakistan. Mm-hmm. So these guys are actually trying to fight them, fight themselves back into Pakistan. So hit us, retreat back into Pakistan, re-kick, come back, do it again. So we ended up chasing these guys, just got short of Pakistan. Steve's on the um, on the horn with air. We chased these guys a couple miles, actually. Yeah. You know, definitely away from our main element, if right. you will, away from our trucks. And there's three of you. And it's three of us. So, But we saw, well, I saw the guys as we started chasing them. The first guys I saw was probably three, four guys. wasn't that many. And then right when I seen them pop up to come shoot, they've been in the corner. So I'm like, all right, we got to get to that corner. Mm-hmm. And we leapfrogged that for probably shit a mile almost. Uh, just, mile of just bloody motion. Yep, that's it. You just trotting. Right when you break a corner, you try to take the corner. There they go. Mm-hmm. And I remember we got up to one corner. We're getting ready to turn the corner. And I stitched up two more guys right there real quick. I ain't gonna say I saved Steve's life, but he was in the vicinity. TJ was in the vicinity. Stitched those guys up, and then after that, we were back on a fit chase. Mm-hmm. And then um, we got probably about a mile into it. Now, we've been running for a good little minute now. And Steve's <clears> actually saying, like, hey, we should, you know, turn around. I'm like, dude, I just saw the guy make the turn. Let's, let's, we're right there. You know, 100 yards. Let's just get to that turn. We'll see him. We get that turn, then it's the next turn. And you just, <laughs> God. And you're basically just leapfrogging. Mm-hmm. So then we get the helicopter overhead, and then we got the helicopters overhead, and then uh, the guy in the helicopter was like, hey, we got a guy in black, and of course my team leader is talking to him on like, "Hey, follow Creek Bay, plenty of freaking turns." Our first guy's wearing a black T-shirt. Yada yada. I'm five, ten paces behind him. I got on a brown T-shirt with BB mm-hmm, pants. Mm-hmm. So he's talking to me and trying to get these guys talking on, so you can hear him coming. And then uh, by this time, as we walk around, we make one more bend. The wadi opens up, probably about as wide as I'd say 20, 30 yards wide, maybe. So you could drive a truck through it now. So now Steve's up on line with me, almost up on line with me. TJ's coming up on the left. Now, we're actually doing a... Now you're in the work. Yeah, n- n- now, now we're in the work. And then I remember as soon as we banked around that corner, we turned left. As soon as we turned left, it's probably a couple hundred yards. So we stitched up two dudes, man, and like right in the back, guys fell, and the guys in front of them never looked back. So now we catch up with these guys, get to their point, stop, step over these guys, kick the guns away. What did you think about that when they didn't even turn around? It kind of shocked me at first they didn't turn around. Like cold-blooded not to turn around almost. Yeah, it was like almost cold to help or something. Exactly, but I don't think they even heard the shots after everything was going on because I remember. Are you guys Are you guys canned up? No, no, we're not canned up at all. Not okay. at all. Okay. Steve was canned up. Actually, Steve was canned up. Me and TJ wasn't. Uh-huh. Steve was canned up because I remember I took a knee on the first shot. 
And, and is TJ carrying a saw still on this one? No, no, TJ's carrying an M4 on this okay, one. Yeah, okay. he left his saw in the truck. So okay. TJ's carrying an M4. I remember I took a knee, and I was like, and I was the point guy, so I took the first shot. I remember shooting a guy in the back the first time, and just kind of like, like, oh, shit, like something's going on. Something bit him. And then TJ shot, Steve shot. You see these two guys drop. We ease up to those guys, kick guns away, step over them. And then right when we went to go turn the back, turn the corner, we hear the pilots like, hey, we got them. We got them right here. We got them. And then the pilots told us we was, I can't remember how far it was. It wasn't too far. It was like probably like three, four K from the Pakistani border. And he's you're like, running out of running yeah, out of space. You, and that's exactly what he said. Hey, you guys are running out of space and we're running out of airspace. And he's like, Hey, I can I can put these guys down with a rocket right now. And all of a sudden you hear, Hey, tell that guy to take a knee up front. And Steve's like, Johnny, take a knee. I take a knee. Steve and TJ take a knee behind me, and then you hear Soof! And then all of a sudden over our radio, because we're well, I got an embitter, Steve's got an embitter. Mm-hmm. So you got your team freak, and then you got the freak air to freak. The, yeah. the air freak. And you hear the um pilot over the radio, it just cut that guy in half. And basically, <laughs> he cut the guy in half. So we ease up to that. The uh, pilot, he shot a couple more rockets. Then it's just like free for all years. Mm-hmm. And then you, you know, like they're just, they're getting their, they're getting a gun on now. They got their PID. Oh, yeah, they did. They <laughs> definitely got their PID. And then uh pilot pulled up to us and he goes, hey, can you guys just go do a quick BDA on that force? So we went up to do, we did a BDA on it. And we actually, um, they actually ended up killing like seven of those dudes. And then they ended up missing four or five that ended up getting Squirting in the pack. Up. Yeah, because mm-hmm. they said they couldn't go any further for mm-hmm. the airspace. So then we went back through and we back cleared and um, we got a whole bunch of batteries. Was the guy really oh, cut in half? Yeah, he was cut in half. Dude. He, I'm talking, I don't know if the pilot was shooting at his back, but he cut that guy completely in half. And we got up there, not to sound inhumane, but the guy was crawling off. His upper body was crawling off. And of course we did a humane thing of, you know, put the guy down. Mm-hmm. And then um, his feet were still moving. It was crazy, man. Feet was moving. Because his body hadn't registered, like, hey, dude, I'm dying. Guts and everything was coming and, out. And he could have effectively already been expired at that point and been running on straight nerves, I would say, Oh, right? straight nerves. Yeah, I would say yeah. straight nerves. But he probably still could have killed somebody. I'm saying there's no gun. there's no way that you're triaging this guy. Oh, dude, we couldn't have treated that guy in yeah. a hospital. No, his, yeah, yeah. his guts were here, dude, and he was crawling off from him. Like, dragging his intestines. Yeah, he was dragging his intestines. You can I, tell. Yeah, I only, I only experienced that one time. And it was uh, I, I was a boot squad leader. I was a Lance Corporal squad leader, promoted to corporal right before we left for Iraq. And we had this HVT, we called him JJ. It's like, they called him like Javi Jossin or something from Swordfish, the yep. movie. They gave him like weird name, right? And uh, he lived in Karabla, where, which is where I was working in Iraq at the time. His family lived there. Well, we had heard he got released from prison and I was ripping in at the time. So I was traveling with, so the way we do it, when we come on deck, we do like a right seat, left seat, yep. like a rip toe, right? Yep. Transition of authority. And so I'm right seat rolling with the, the guys that have been there. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden they get a react. They're like, yo, yo, get that new squad leader, you know, me. Yo, get, get, get him, get him, get him on the truck. So we take off after this, you know, call. And mm-hmm. the call was that JJ was in town at his mom's house and we needed to go cruise by because he was like HVT number whatever, high mm-hmm. on the list for our area or low on the list for our area. And we go out there. Well, by the time my React truck pulls up, um, a Mark 19, a truck with a Mark 19 had already engaged. JJ had an S-Vest on, running on foot away from the truck. Mm. And it didn't make sense to me because it's like, I don't know if it, like he just cowered out on the martyr because he had the S-Vest and you would think they're coming at you, like run at him and detonate. But he must have got scared or he wasn't scared. the time or maybe he didn't have his marching orders and was just trying not to be compromised or whatever the case. But he had S-Vest with four 82-millimeter mortars pink debt corded together. And uh, 
and so it was a shoot on command when you see that so the mark 19 gunner shot you know one burst and same thing it like his legs and stuff were gone completely mangled off they weren't twitching or nothing but by the time i got there he had already crawled through the sand maybe like 15 meters mm-hmm. which is actually impressive to it me is. That somebody can go that far on on straight nerves yep. and adrenaline but um same kind of thing it was grotesque man because this guy's carrying like you know 15 foot of large intestines dragging out behind him and you're like that's that's a hell of a thing to see you Mm -hmm. don't see that shit all the time so that is that's a wild thing man yep wild thing well johnny i think uh i'm gonna give you the last uh the last shot here i think we're at a couple hours we had a good talk why don't you uh impart your johnny your johnny glenn knowledge to the people anything that you want for warfighters coming up and veterans yeah, what I like to say to veterans is that, first off, thank you for your service. And what I like to say to warfighters is, hey, like uh, Ryan said earlier, man, keep doing what you're doing, you know, and don't worry about that big picture because we'll never figure out the big picture or the big playbook, as we call it, mm-hmm. on what politicians are doing. I used to tell my guys, we're going to affect the things that we can affect. We're going to make changes to make them better for us and the people that we're protecting, mm. and that's all we can do. Mm. And then wish that, the you know, the politicians, the decision makers, that they get it right. You know, and, and then that's all you can do because yeah. effectively once they're voted in, that's their decision. And once mm-hmm. they make it, you know, it's not our job to worry about how they came to the conclusions and the decisions and policy actions that they did. It's our job then to go enforce those as long as they are legal and lawful. That's it. And uh, and be professional about it. So, yep. um, man, I can't appreciate you enough uh, and thank you enough for coming out and doing this for me. Uh, first Army guy on the show. I think uh, we opened that that up properly, awesome. and I would love to talk to TJ and some of these other guys, we'll and we get can make that right. happen. And definitely and Rusty. The more and Rusty, the, the the stuff that we can put out to veterans and to the pipe hitters that are out there still banging down range, the like okay, so we talked about earlier offline or maybe online that the reading portion, right? Learned experience. Mm-hmm. That's this should be a conduit. The a whole whole reason we want to do this is a conduit for information passing exactly. to guys that are either struggling because they've done these things already. This is what we can put out resource-wise. Mm-hmm. This is what we can put out knowledge-wise. Be proud of this. This isn't something to, right. you know, and that's not going to help everybody. There are resources that we're going to put out too. Um, but also for the guys still going down range, mm-hmm. listen to these stories. These are real stories of the last big engagements that we've had. Right. And now the wartime, you know, is coming to a close and we're now we're out of Afghanistan. And we have over-the-horizon capabilities and our soft is going to continue operating. But in big fashion, the war has closed now and... That doesn't mean there's not another one coming. The Marine Corps never went eight years without a uh, a major engagement of some kind. Mm-hmm. And and for you Army soft guys, for you MARSOC guys, you're going to keep operating. But for you guys in the Fleet Marine Corps, the Fleet Infantry, you 11 Bravos out there that are getting after it, read, listen to learned experiences, TDG and war game all yep. the time, and train all the time. There's no time for you not to be training. Um, take take that, your training seriously. Take that from yeah. us and make it as realistic as you can uh, for for your for your junior guys, and uh, it'll go a long way once you get downrange if you if you can do that. Um, we by no means are are God's answer to to gunfighting and 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 uh, well maybe Johnny Glenn is. No, I'm just a fag. I'm a former action guy. Former action guys, <laughs> but it. but if you listen to people's stories, you can have that experience in your head like for instance i i I watched jocko willink's podcast a lot Mm -hmm. he had you know medal of honor recipient dakota myron and he'll tell you on the on that podcast that in his mission in his medal of honor uh time 
everything that could have possibly went wrong on that mission went wrong, both on friendly and enemy sides. Yep. And you have to plan for that. For instance, we talk about, we had this sexy idea of when we came into Mars, you were coming in on birds. We're going to hit the ground. The gate's going to drop. We're coming off that thing. Security circle. It's going to be sexy. Go, go, go. That's how I had it in my mind. I came into a a, a poppy field and an LZ that was three foot of sinking mud. (laughs) And I had seven weapons by the time the bird peeled off into the, um, into the sky on a 54 man chalk. And it's like, this is, not the plan. There's Murphy. <laughs> Murphy's there. Murphy's wrench. Yeah. So uh, anyway, Johnny, thank you. Matt, you got anything? Thank you. Thank it you guys is, for having me. It was me, excellent. Man. Anytime, yeah. brother. Anytime. Yeah. Loved it, man. Loved it. All right, guys. If you haven't bought uh, Lines of Marja, check it out on Amazon, sixteen ninety nine. It goes into way more detail than the first six episodes of the podcast did and, and uh, a lot of knowledge in there. Uh, we're going to be putting some combat footage of Johnny Glenn up as soon as I can get the, the rights through YouTube, and, I, and I'll put those on the uh, social media page. You can put a face to the name uh, and, and maybe some context to some of the stories that are being told. And um, and we look forward to having Johnny Johnny Glenn back on in the future, and maybe maybe next time bring a couple of the fellows with you, and we'll do, and we'll get after it and get some more information out there. But to everybody out there, we appreciate your time, and we'll see you next time on Choices, Not Chances. Thank you. <clears throat> How we doing, everybody? This is the co-host of Choices, Not Chances podcast, Matthew Charette. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Louisiana Gun Shop. The folks at Louisiana Gun Shop have been a longtime supplier of firearms and shooting supplies and services, as well as very good friends of mine. In episode seven of the podcast, we interviewed the owner and founder, Harlan Boblett. At Louisiana Gun Shop, the sky is the limit when it comes to getting the firearms and accessories you want for your current or future firearms. They have a nice selection of handguns, rifles, and shotguns in stock or can order just about any firearm you could want or need. They specialize in concealed carry handguns and custom AR-15 builds. In addition to firearms, they also carry ammo, suppressors, optics, and a wide variety of gun parts for the upgrade and maintenance of your firearm. If you want to get further in the upgrade side of things, they provide customization services such as Cerakote, laser engraving, and Kydex holsters. Louisiana Gun Shop is located on Highway 90 West in Broussard, Louisiana, just south of Lafayette. It used to be Louisiana Gun Shop did not have an online presence, but now I am happy to announce that their website is up and ready for business for online sales to all 50 states at louisianagunshop.com pages slash cnc. Louisiana Gun Shop also offers Louisiana residents concealed carry classes for a very reasonable price. Holland's experience in the concealed carry space when it comes to the laws and the do's and the don'ts is pivotal in attaining your Louisiana concealed carry license. As well as the firearm market, Harlan also conducts explosives training for Louisiana blasters licenses for oil field and special effects workers in Louisiana. Workers in these fields from out of state also need to have this training in order to complete work in Louisiana. So whether you need a firearm, upgrade your old firearm, targets and ammo for a range day, or you just like to talk to people who support the Second Amendment, Louisiana Gun Shop is your place, either in person or online. Remember, they are located on Highway 90 West in Broussard, Louisiana, just south of Lafayette, or online at louisianagunshop.com slash pages slash CNC.
check the episode description for the link. You can also follow them on Instagram and Facebook at Louisiana Gun Shop. A special thanks to Harlan and Jenny at Louisiana Gun Shop for sponsoring the show. Please support them so they can support us and keep the podcast free for all. Thanks. Have a great day. Semper Fi and God bless America. Not too far. You're marking the building. Hit him. Yeah, that's good. That's a good shot. That's funny. Yeah.